0: One of my favorite guys and definitely favorite guest on the show is Olivier Knox, chief Washington correspondent for Yahoo News. He also co-hosts Topline. It's a Yahoo News ABC News original program, and he's covered some of the world's biggest stories over his nearly 16 years as a reporter with Agence France-Presse, starting with the president's impeachment, former President Bill Clinton, and Al Gore's presidential campaign. More than a pleasure to have back on the show and a belated Happy New Year to my friend and yours, Olivier Knox. Hey, Olivier, how are you? Hey,
1: Happy New Year right back at you.
0: Good to have you uh, with us. Uh, The president, we all know, is not going to meet with uh, Netanyahu during uh, the visit to the United States. How controversial is this and how around the normal diplomatic uh, uh, lines of protocol um, is this to have a leader of another nation, a state, the state of Israel, uh, such as Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, address uh, Congress as he will be with a new majority in both the House and the Senate?
1: well it 's not that common for a House Speaker to invite a high profile guest to address a joint meeting of the House and the Senate in order uh, to undermine the president 's policies that 's a fairly rare event, and that is what uh, Republican House Speaker John Boehner is doing here. He is inviting Benjamin Netanyahu, who is an outspoken opponent of the ongoing negotiations with Iran to come address a joint session a joint meeting I should say of Congress. Um, that's fairly unusual. It is also uh, quite unusual for a foreign leader to agree to come to the United States without at least giving the White House a heads up and uh, in this case, what we know from uh, the White House is that the Israelis didn't reach out. It was uh, John Boehner the morning of the announcement John Boehner's office reached out to the white House so these are these are both fairly unusual circumstances uh the uh, the The Obama administration was pretty angry with this with this setup it um, it comes right in the middle of these negotiations with uh, with Iran and with the other members of the uh, United Nations Security Council, trying to make sure that, that Tehran does not get a nuclear weapon.
0: The White House said uh, it's too close to the Israeli elections. That you know the president doesn't meet with uh, leaders when you know they're up for election and an election is uh, you know in close proximity to that date or that visit when they come to the United States. Is that true? Is it sometimes sort of true? Was it a good excuse to use for now?
1: It's true-ish. Um, there are a few situations in which, um, the, 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 President of the United States has met with a world leader before elections. I think there was one actually with, um, uh, Israeli President Shimon Peres, not, not that remotely, not, 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 that, not that far in the past. Um, but it's, it's really meant more as a, as a very public rebuke to Netanyahu for not having flagged this for the administration. And I should say, I mean, it's it's not only just a question of picking up the phone and letting the administration know, but the uh, Israeli ambassador to the United States, Ron Dermer, had an hours-long conversation with John Kerry, the secretary of state, in the days before this was announced and never mentioned anything about Netanyahu coming to visit. So, you know, folks at the State Department, folks at the White House are pretty sore about this.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. We'll talk a little bit more about this and uh, then also about Congress uh, post State of the Union address and many promises to the American people, not just when they ran for office and now have won those that are in the House and the Senate, uh, but what they have said, uh, both positions within the GOP, the GOP and then the Tea Party GOPers. Uh, We're going to be back with our guest and you, Olivier Knox, chief correspondent for Yahoo News News we're back. So is he, Olivier Knox, Chief Washington Correspondent for Yahoo Knows. Uh, yeah, no, nah, Yahoo Knows. Yahoo News, also co-host of Top Line, a Yahoo News, ABC News original program. And by the way, Olivia, you weren't co-host of that at the time. Uh, congrats. Uh, they definitely, it's good to have you.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much for having me.
0: Although I'd like to have you in Katie Kirk's position. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did I say that?
1: <laughs> Click and...
0: <laughs> I know you can't comment. Um, let, let's talk about it is is the invitation to netanyahu from your reporting and your research and your findings simply about Iran or is it the Republican House and Senate's way of saying we're your buddy Benji you know we you know we're pro-israel and could it even go so far as or am I standing on a grassy knoll you know we like you Jews we don't like the Muslims um,
1: I you know I I, I think that uh, that Republicans and in in especially in the House, although some in the Senate as well are are closer to Netanyahu's position on the Iran negotiations than they are to um, to Obama's at least on the uh, the notion of underlying concerns, although um, you know it's not like the White House is going in this with rose- colored glasses either i mean they've they've made it very clear from the President on down that they don't think that there's anything better than fifty fifty odds that these talks actually get to a comprehensive deal the president said repeatedly that he's prepared to impose new sanctions uh, if if the talks reach an impasse. So, I mean, on all sides of this discussion, I think I think people are ready to be pretty tough. But um but Netanyahu's been much more vocal and has said uh actually said it on Twitter today again that he he actually opposes the negotiations and thinks that the the deal at least based on the outlines that we know now would uh, would be dangerous for Israel in terms of the political dimension, you know. Um, there is there is an element in there of Republicans wanting specifically to denounce radical uh, radical Islam, um, and they think that uh, that Netanyahu has been clearer on that point than the president has been. Um, and you know, on some level, fair enough. The president doesn't say radical Islam very much, um, but um, but in terms of like you know, the, the we like you Jews, do, we don't like Muslims. I think that's a little simplified. I think um, this is uh, this is an extremely high-profile invitation um, at an extremely sensitive time in these Iran negotiations. I think it reflects the fact that Republicans and Netanyahu are closer than Netanyahu and Obama are. Um, But I wouldn't go reaching too far beyond that.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, the reason I say that is um, I just have to say, you know, uh, being, you know, in the media and – and having a Jewish parent, a Christian parent, and married into a Muslim family, <laughs> um, I, I'm, it, it, it's always when, when there's an attack on Jews for the sake of being Jews. You know, it's you know certainly anti-Semitism. It's disgusting. It's wrong. Um, you know, any prejudice or discrimination are. But I think sometimes we. You know, forget to look at the police officer who was shot, even though the media did cover the fact that he was Muslim, or how many victims are Muslims, and often more victims are Muslims. But it's almost like it's worse when the Jews are the victims uh, of uh, these terrorists, uh, like in the case at the kosher supermarket, because they were victims simply for being Uh, Jewish, whereas many Muslims uh, with ISIS, not necessarily with uh, Charlie Hebdo, uh, that police officer, I'm not sure if they had any idea what his religion was or cared, um, but that Muslims are victims of these terrorist acts, too.
1: Yeah, and this is something that keeps coming back again and again, which is that, you know, the overwhelming majority of al-Qaeda's victims, the overwhelming majority of the uh, so-called Islamic State group, the overwhelming majority of their victims are, are Muslim. Um, there's no no real doubt about that. I mean, this has been a a, a feature of this uh, for uh, for years. Um, when uh, after the United States invasion and occupation of Iraq, you know, uh, Muslims still remained the the largest number of casualties per month in Iraq. Um, I, I there has been this long ongoing debate about you know what to call this conflict broadly written, whether it's a war on terrorism, whether it's a war on radical Islam. Whether it's a war on Al Qaeda, um, there are, there are, I think people of of good faith can disagree on what this is. Um, But I will point out that um, I don't think anybody worked harder than former president uh, or then president George W. Bush to make sure to draw a distinction between a conflict against Al Qaeda and a conflict against Islam. And he worked extremely hard to do that. He was at the Washington Islamic Center about a week after 9 11, and um, he kept up that that message all the way through his presidency, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that.
0: I would agree with you, and I'm a Democrat, as you know. I I would agree with you. Uh, One more with uh, Netanyahu's visit. Obviously, he's been invited uh, regarding, um, you know, and. and because he you know he disagrees with and you know so does Congress the Republican Congress majority uh, in the House and Senate and the negotiations with Iran over the nuclear program in in Iran um, but also the purpose of challenging the president's approach to Islamist extremism my problem with this Olivier is doesn't Netanyahu realize that even though he is the head of a Jewish state uh, that that he his country and his people are far outnumbered by the fastest growing religion in the world, and you know, 1.6 billion people, I think one of the things that former George, uh, President George Bush did, that President Obama does, uh, that Angela Merkel has done, uh, that Francois Hollande has done, is um, to, to work hard not only to separate that, but not to make it sort of like us against them, and that the Muslim world are the enemies, because we need the leadership of the Muslim world and the people in those countries to realize that, we're, we're all on the same side, and, and I think that the terrorists want nothing more than to divide a wedge between Muslims and other, and uh, that's one of the things that – I understand Netanyahu talking about you know, his opposition to Iran, but you know, if he – and I believe he will – touches upon Islamist extremism, I think quite frankly that can derail uh, you know, some of what's going on in an international level to combat terrorism with some of these Muslim countries.
1: you know, I think the the problem from the White House's perspective is that these these negotiations with Iran are extremely sensitive. Um, They're pretty fragile. You know, the the negotiators and the government of President Rouhani, um, they face uh, some pretty tough hardliners of their own who don't like these negotiations either. And so um, the administration has been looking to sort of put a damper on things like talk of just discussions of sanctions in, in Congress um, it, it now appears as though they're going to uh, they're going to uh, avoid actual legislation threatening sanctions. Um, that that seems to be the consensus now in Congress. Um, but these are really fragile. And then as for the radical Islam, you know, I would direct everybody. There was a really good piece by uh, Eli Lake over at Bloomberg where he explained why President Obama and before him President Bush were pretty careful about not saying you know, radical Islam or, or uh, reactionary Islam or what have you. And part of that is that large swaths of the world's Muslims consider themselves, you know, conservative Muslims. And this rhetoric translates poorly, and it can undermine, um, you know, efforts to win what's been called alternately, the war on terrorism, war on terror, war on al-Qaeda, what have you. Um, so it is, it is a pretty sensitive discussion. I would point out, there's another factor here which is that the Israeli elections are 2 weeks after this speech. Right. And there's been some carping that um you know that this is a bit of a gift to Netanyahu to come get this uh, international honor. He would be just the second leader in history to address a joint meeting or a joint session of Congress three times, the other one being Winston Churchill. Um, so it's a pretty considerable honor. Hmm. It comes the, the timing's pretty important. Uh but he's getting a little bit of a blowback now. I think Shimon Peres has commented that this is not an appropriate timing. The former ambassador to the United States um, has also come out and said that this. Uh, Mr. Oren has come out and said that this is not good timing. Um, so there's a there's a bit of a kerfuffle here, um, to use the technical term. <laughs>
0: um, uh, what is uh, so people understand who don't follow uh, Israeli politics? Uh, how is Netanyahu doing? Is he a shoo-in? Is he behind? Is it neck and neck?
1: Um, he's not a, he's not a shoo-in by any means. Um, he's, he faces some pretty serious challenges. You know, the thing about parliamentary elections is that you end up having to cobble together coalitions, and so even if you know you're going to beat another candidate, you're very concerned about limiting their party's gains. And so, um, you know, one of the things that happened was one of Netanyahu's big, uh, big rivals, another potential coalition member, um, announced that he was going go to go to the Charlie Hebdo uh, demonstration in Paris. And initially, Netanyahu had no plans to do that. But when his rival announced that he would go, then right. Netanyahu kind of had to go. So this is not neck and neck. No, sorry, this, is not, um, this is not a runaway election. It's a bit more complicated than that. You want to maximize your majority and, and, and to give yourself the, the maximum latitude here. Um, but, uh, but he is still sort of the guy to beat. Um, you know, He's, he's been in, in power for a really long time, yeah. an extremely clever and, and skilled politician.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, politicians here uh, and that Congress that invited Netanyahu. Uh, the State of the Union is behind us. Republicans gave – well, first of all, talk to me about this. What, what do you think the perception is among Republicans when you have such a divided and fragmented party in the GOP that you don't just have the GOP Republican response, you have the Tea Party response? I think they need to get their own party.
1: This has been a recurring issue, though, in the Obama era. You know, you've had, you've had the Republican response and then a series of other responses from prominent, um, or would be prominent Republicans. And some of that is social media. You know, it's, it's incredibly easy for anybody. To reach a national and even international audience via social media, via YouTube, and, and mechanisms like that, so that's really changed the way that the response is is perceived, the way it's consumed by voters. Um, so there's been a real that's been a that's been a, a phenomenon that's really been uh, really been on the rise in the Obama era. I'm not sure that that speaks necessarily to, to deep schisms in the Republican Party, though. I would agree in general that there is a there is a bit of a divide between the Tea Party and the establishment Republicans. Um, in terms of the State of the Union, you know, it, I, that, that was a pretty defiant speech. Um, there wasn't a lot of, he didn't reach out a lot of olive branches. Yeah. Um, it was, a, it was a, a lot about things that he wants to do. Not necessarily a lot about the art of the possible over the next two years, um, although there were some glimmers of, uh, of the art of the possible in there, you know, the discussion about international trade, for example.
0: Well, they are in a position. The Republicans who are in the majority of Congress to get something done, and there are areas where uh, they not only I think have to agree, but they will be able to agree. Um, let's talk about uh, some of those. The president, for a very long time, has talked about a, di- a different type of warfare in the future, and that cyber warfare. And I don't think that he and maybe um, you know ev- everybody was on board with how serious you know it could be. And and then you look at uh, Sony. And you look at other uh, hacking incidents uh, since then, and I, I think uh, cybersecurity is definitely something that isn't left or right, but more an issue of national security, where both parties could agree and work together. Well,
1: but but they've really tried, they really struggled to grope their way to an agreement on this in the last six years. You know, cyber has been everyone agrees on the urgency of a response to uh, to cyber attacks, but there's not necessarily a clear policy approach that everyone agrees on, that can, there's not really a clear consensus on the approach to this. And part of that is that, that some folks think, you know, the government should take the lead role in protecting um, public and private infrastructure. And others think that, you know, the main thing is that government needs, needs to teach all of us better cyber hygiene, change your passwords, you know, don't, don't, don't give your personal information to random sites and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see whether in the aftermath of of the the pretty dramatic Sony hack, whether consensus emerges. It's not totally clear to me uh, that it will, if only because this has been such an ongoing conversation for years.
0: Almost oh, definitely. Let's talk about trade. Um, I, I know, having had a lot of the, the unions on, that they, they want a trade deal, but they want a good trade deal, and they don't feel a lot of what the president, uh, you know, may enter into trade deal-wise is good uh, for the American people. We definitely have a deficit with how much we're, you know, exporting versus how much we're importing from some of these countries like China and Japan that we have trade deals with. Uh, is, is trade an area where um, th- this is the year Where the deal making is, you know, right for the picking and that this is an area where left and right can agree because, you know, this would lead to money. Then again, is the president perhaps even uh, to the right of the Democrats and can the will the Democrats come on board when this this sometimes will play into more outsourcing, which is definitely something they want to turn around. Many of them obviously backed by the unions who want that as well.
1: Well, you've definitely zeroed in on one of the most interesting political debates that's going to come in the next two years, and that's the fight over TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would group the United States and countries in Latin America and all over Asia in one big uh, trade agreement. The politics are completely fascinating, Um, although keep in mind this is a nerd speaking. Um, You have the president in favor of this agreement, negotiating this agreement, fighting for this agreement, um, with the knowledge that... Um, if it goes the way the last three trade agreements went, uh, he will lose a majority, not just, not just some, but a majority of House Democrats. Um, uh, Republicans, on the other hand, really want to see this trade deal done, but they're getting a little bit hung up on something called Trade Promotion Authority. It used to be called fast-track, and TPA is important because what it is is Congress voting to say, okay, the president has full power to negotiate this trade deal. And Congress will only vote it up or down. There'll be no amendments. The idea behind that is to give the president more credibility uh, as he negotiates this deal, because obviously other countries aren't going to agree to things that they know will be just stripped out. So on the one hand, you have Democrats, um, many, many, many of whom can be predicted to oppose the TPP, this big trade deal. On the other hand, you have Republicans who want this trade deal but are struggling with handing Obama more power. Uh, effectively uh, uh, delegating congressional power to the White House, um, to well, technically to the to the to the administration because it's the U.S. Trade Representative. Um, so the politics of this are going to be completely fascinating. Republicans are saying the president needs to make a really heavy push to get more Democrats on board. They don't want to. They don't want to own this by themselves. They think they may lose some uh, segment of the uh, of the Tea Party right in this vote. So this is actually one of the most interesting bits of political warfare that's going to come in the next two years.
0: And there's a list uh, more we'll have to have you back on because we're out of time to talk about those. Olivier, thank you for joining us again. Olivier Knox, chief Washington correspondent for Yahoo News, and he also co-hosts Topline, a Yahoo News ABC News original program. Follow him on Twitter at Onox, capital O, capital K, N-O-X. And the website is news.yahoo.com forward slash author forward slash Olivier, O-L-I-V-I-E-R hyphen Knox.